Hey kids, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and our guest this month is Christine Barkley. Christine is the Artistic Director of Barkley Performing Arts in Boca Raton, Florida. On February 14, 2018, her students were rehearsing the musical Spring Awakening at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in the city of Parkland. At 2.21 that afternoon, a lone gunman walked into the school and began a shooting spree that left 17 dead and 17 more wounded. None of her students were among the casualties. Christine was kind enough to give us some of her time to talk about that day and the effects that it had on her students. Before we get to Christine, however, On Stage Off Stage is disgusted at the horrific and shameful reality that this kind of incident has become all too common in the United States and that our elected officials cannot see past personal benefit, corporate influence, and misinterpreted laws in order to establish safe and healthy places for our children to learn and our teachers to teach. Onstage Offstage supports stricter gun laws, background checks, and the complete and absolute ban of personal use of automatic weapons. That said, here now is our interview with Christine Barkley. So my my theater and my studio is about eight miles from the actual high school, and I was in the process of rehearsing five different shows at the same time. Um, two of them, including a, a good amount, a big handful of Marjorie Stoneham Douglas students that would have been Spring Awakening and Legally Blonde, actually. And um, when I kind of heard about what was going on, Cameron Kasky, who uh, has become pretty well known at this point, has uh, become a real strong staple in our theater company pretty quickly. He found us in January and he dove right in wanting to be a part of everything from private lessons to all the shows and became kind of, in my eyes, I viewed him as like an adopted teenage son. And when I was actually in the car on the way to a Susical kids rehearsal with our elementary students and I was actually, you know, very pregnant and I was due on Valentine's Day. So I was waiting to pop at any moment, and I was picking up my children from their aftercare heading into our Susical rehearsal when I got a call from one of my assistant directors about the shooting and quickly reached out to Cameron and some of our other students, as well as our music director, Ed Colts, is also the music director at Marjorie Stoneham Douglas. And as I was driving into the Susical rehearsal, I was waiting kind of on bated breath for messages from Cameron to come back to me confirming that he had heard from each student one at a time that they were alive and that they were safe. And Cameron would have been in the drama room with all of them or most of them, but he had left to go and get his special needs brother from the special needs classroom. So he had been separated from most of our cast members and from our music director. So slowly, one by one, as I was driving in and my phone would ding with every ding, I was kind of hearing that another kid and another uh, student had survived and had made it. And at that point, I ended up getting to our Susical rehearsal and the room of elementary school students knew nothing of this and they were young. And so my staff was sort of in an emotional panic and was trying to keep the normalcy alive in that rehearsal. That night, we were supposed to have a Legally Blonde rehearsal, and I was sort of struck with, what do we do here? You know, um, 
do we, A, I didn't know that all of the students had yet survived. I had known that most of them at that point had. I had heard finally from Ed that he was okay. Um, and I sort of sat with my staff and said, well, the kids were still kind of chugging along in Susical, said, what, you know, what do we do here? What's the right thing to do? Do we cancel rehearsal? Do we keep the rehearsal going? Because we also are a studio where it's not just Marjorie Stoneham Douglas kids. There are kids from all other schools in the area. So, you know, you get to a point where you say, do I keep the normalcy going and keep the positivity and keep the energy going for all the kids that weren't there? Do we try to allow all those families to keep their regular rhythm? Do we obviously respect what's gone on here today and out of understanding and out of support to the families and safety that we shut down the studio for the night? You know, what role, what do we play? What's our card and what's our move? And so we kind of walked the fine line of both. We didn't want to demand families not be with their kids and expect them to attend this rehearsal in light of everything that had happened, but we also wanted to be there. So we sent out an email to everyone in Legally Blonde rehearsal and we said, if you would like to come in tonight and be here and be with us and be in your safe space and be with your friends and see them, we are here and we'll be here for the rehearsal, uh, for the duration of the time to be as your, you know, safe escape and your emotional safe space. But if you obviously do not feel that you can attend rehearsal due to the fact that you are at the school mm. or the fact that you are just feeling like you want to be with your family, then obviously you have the option to not attend. I sat with my staff at that point and we, at that point sat as one, a couple students came in, some families stopped in, some didn't. And that's when we sort of said, well, what's our move here? Because I'm about to go into labor at any point in time. And now we're looking at a future of how do we move forward? And that was that was a game changing moment and night for all of us for a couple of reasons, you know. Oh, my gosh. I can't even begin to imagine what you were going through and what everybody was going through down there. All your students yeah. ended up being OK, though, right? Yeah, very, very luckily for me and for us, we personally did not lose any of our and because I am very grateful to everything that Melody Herthel did. I'm our music director. I'm grateful that, you know, whatever space they were in, they were safe. But yeah. just because we personally didn't lose it, our students certainly doesn't mean that they weren't dramatically affected by the oh. fact that they lost many of their friends. Yeah, it's I, it's, I find it impossible to comprehend such a tragedy. Um, and the fact that school shootings have now become a dreadfully regular occurrence. Um, yeah, it's terrifying that all, honestly, when it when the news came to me, my first response, and I, I, I mean, I do feel guilty saying this, but my first response was, well, how bad of a shooting? And then I said right. to myself, oh my God, how disgusting that that's even the, you know, the response. It's like a shooting at all, even if no one was hurt or affected, should be horrifying. But because it's happened so much in our country, the fact mm -hmm. that the first response to how bad you know, yeah. I mean, what what's everything coming to at this point? You know, uh, I refuse to speculate on that right now. Um, <laughs> it's it's getting less and less safe to be anywhere at actually in, in this country at this particular yeah. time, um, especially scary. schools, especially high schools. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's 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 a sickness that's gotten way out of control. So you kept it together that night. When did you eventually get yeah. birth? I gave birth four days later, I guess five. I went into labor three days later. I guess it technically was the 19th when Caroline was born, so five. Um, hmm. Yeah, I went in on Friday, uh, and 
I went in for a regular, well, not a regular, but by the time I was kind of uh, cooking her too long, they wanted to do just checkups every two days. And I went in for monitoring and they just decided at that point they wanted to induce me. And at that point, I mean, George, I'm (laughs) I'm sitting there already panicking about the fact that I had five shows revolving at one time. Yeah. Going to maternity, I had scheduled to take two weeks of maternity leave in the first place, um, two and a half weeks, and I was already nervous just leaving the company and all those shows going. Even though I know I have an amazing staff, you know, it's my baby, it's my company, and it's now yeah. literally my baby, and mm-hmm. I was already nervous. And so now I'm looking at okay, now I'm leaving and abandoning ship in the middle of this. How in the world, you know, do I do that? I literally had my two company managers, God bless them, who came in and they were with me in the hospital room and was giving them different orders and different ideas of what to do and different what ifs and different what if the kids can't yeah. do the show? What if they can't come back to rehearsal? What do we do with the vigils? How do we deal with this? And on top of it, my music director, because of course I had intelligently tried to plan the rehearsal schedule so that while I was out, Ed would be doing all of the music and teaching all of the music to everybody while I was out so I could come back and then stage everything. Ed, um, Ed had been ushered out of the school with all the kids and they all had to leave their phones and their backpacks. So not only are we now looking at trying to figure out who is safe and who is going to be able to continue on and and not trying to rush them deciding that. But my music director, who had five shows that he was in the middle of music directing for me, had to leave all of his music books and scores and everything in the classroom, and they didn't know when they would be allowed back in. So I'm now in the hospital and uh and ed is you know in the in the trying to figure out how he can music direct these shows without his scripts and it just turned into uh to something that was very challenging because while i was in the middle of getting ready to give birth and posting all of these you know loving and thoughtful posts to people about how exciting and beautiful this stage of life is about to give birth all of a sudden this tragedy hits and i was feeling incredibly guilty being excited about the birth of my child at the news of everyone losing their life and uh, my students struggling with what they were struggling with and so now i'm sitting here in the hospital trying to be excited and and focused on giving birth while i'm receiving text messages from Cameron, trying to be, you know, supportive of them going through all of the beginnings of this movement being created and trying to figure out the rehearsal and trying to figure out how we move forward, if we move forward. And yeah, it was a really intense week. I'll say that. And basically every end of the life spectrum for sure. Yeah. I'm sitting here listening to this go going, Oh my God, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's horrific. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to chuckle at this, but I mean, no, it's doable kind of in retrospect that it was yeah. happening. You know, you take it one one bite at a time, I guess, at, at everything that was going on. How are you now? I'm good now. I was good then, you know, in the respect that I was silent on social media. The business was silent on social media from for about three days following the event because I just didn't know what to say. I didn't I didn't know. I didn't have the words of... I don't think anybody really does. No, I mean, I I felt like I'm supposed to be this mentor and this guiding light for my students and for my community. And then something like this happens. And what do you say? You know, how do you, 
how do you be there for them? How do you guide them? What, I mean, I, this is out of my realm of understanding and I wasn't even in the school, you know, the kids were the ones in the school with Mel. So how do I even say something to them when they were the ones there? And the ones of my, the students of mine that were not in the school, how do I comfort them? Because it's hit so close to home for them. You know, it shocked them and they're trying to be there for their friends and, and wonder if their show will be canceled or not, or if their friends will show up again or not. And, um, so I was kind of silent and for me being silent is its own kind of a thing. And finally my students, as you, as the world watched, I mean, yeah. Melody, well, students, Cameron, you know, Cameron Kasky and Sawyer Garrity and Alex Wind and Alfonso Calderon and all of them, not even the ones that you hear all in the news, all of them, um, you know, June Fellman, um, Alex Athanasio, Ethan Kaufman, Kirsten McConnell. I mean, constant onslaught of my students that were a part of these shows. And they started speaking out. And when they started speaking out, I started saying to myself, my God, you know, these are these are kids. I mean, we forget because they're teenagers and they're bordering on adulthood, but they're kids. And I'm sitting here saying, here I am, this professional in the field, this matured adult about to give birth to a baby and I am silent and they are finding the strength and they are finding the courage. So I kind of kicked myself in the butt and said, Barclay, you got to figure out something to say, because if these kids are able to do it, what what is it? You need, How can you be there to support what they're already saying? You know, how are you going to continue to be as strong as they're being? And that's when I made our first post on our business page. And I basically just apologized. I apologized to my students, my community on behalf of an adult in this world that let it get this bad. I apologized. I, you know, I didn't do anything personally. I didn't walk into that school, but I'm a part of the mature population of this country that allowed it to continue on without doing more to stop it, without caring more, without listening more. I allowed it to get mundane just like everybody else did. And so I basically made a commitment to them at that point through our social media outlets and emails to families that as someone, as a business owner in our community and as a business owner of a theatrical creative business, our tagline, our, our motto of our business on all of our t-shirts is find your voice, sing your song. And as someone committed to helping young people be articulate and confident and passionate and creative and find their voice and use their voice. I just promised I would now use our platform to promote them, to bring change and to use the, you know, theater and the ability that we have as artists and as theater people to use our voice and to create a difference and to make change happen and make people listen and try to not just do something fun that we love to do, which is, you know, theater and musicals and sing, but to actually use my platform for a bigger, broader purpose and not just be complacent. And that's been my promise and my mission ever since I opened the business, but it really kicked me in the butt to make sure that I followed that mission. Once I saw that these kids were taking the reins, um, yeah. I needed to step up. It was time for us adults to step up if the kids were able to do what they're doing. I, it's the, there's so much courage around yeah. incidents like this, especially with the high school kids themselves. They have shown themselves to be stronger than we ever gave them credit for, I think. Yep. And 
the compassion is only exceeded by that strength, by this commitment to make their world a safer place and to fight entities that are a thousand times bigger and a million times richer than they are, you know, that, right. that are, are made up of people whose beliefs in owning guns and having guns right. available uh, to protect them from what? I have no idea. Well, know? and my feeling is, you know, we live in Florida, right? And so Florida, I'm from Boston, and I and I went, lived in New York City before I moved down here. And now we're in Florida where we're in a divided state where you don't always know who you're talking to, who does what, who believes in what. Right. But the bigger... The bigger thing, and I didn't want to ever take a political stance with my business because I'm a safe space for everybody, and I don't want any child or family to feel like if they're you know, on a different side of the political fence, they're not welcome because I feel like it's so important to teach through theater. It's a tool to teach understanding and exactly what you're saying, compassion and mm -hmm. and let people be heard no matter what you believe. But the biggest thing that I've respected about these kids is that they've done it's like people are mad at them for what they're creating or what they're saying. But the thing is, they're doing something, you know, whether you agree with them or not, whether you in the country are fighting against them or for them, you cannot say that you're not impressed with the conviction or with the the relentlessness of what they're fighting for or the absolute passion with which they're doing it. And that in itself needs to be emulated because something has to happen in this country. And whether it's mental health, whether it's guns, whatever it is, something has to be done and it has to be done aggressively and it has to be done with heart. And us adults haven't been doing it, you know, on any side. And here these kids are coming in. And what was the most beautiful thing to me, George, is Cameron started the whole Never Again movement, which is, as we all know, very geared towards gun control. Right. And then you had so and very politically driven. And then you had my other lead, um, Arvenla Sawyer Garrity. And Sawyer said, I don't want to. I, I want to help in a different way. I don't want to do something that's going to continue to, to divide or be political. I want to do something that's going to go after the heart of people and make people see that there is something bigger that needs to be done about humanity here. And so she went ahead and wrote that song, Shine. And that song, Shine, that has now been all over the place and exploded. She is now raising money, and I'm trying to, trying to help with that as well. With Barclay Performing Arts, we use Spring Awakening to raise money for Shine MSD, which is a nonprofit organization gearing towards helping to develop healing arts programs in the community and the world. And that's so much a part of why I opened my business in the first place was to be a place to use theater as a healing space and as a space to help develop passionate and tolerant and confident young people to use their voices. And here Sawyer comes along and says, I'm going to write this song. We're going to open this nonprofit and we're going to develop community places for kids who fall between the cracks or who don't have the access to figure out what is going on inside of them to help to be healed in a way so that maybe these things won't happen on that end. And then while she's working on that, you have Cameron and all of his friends leading up the Never Again movement. And I have both of them on stage playing these very angsty, unbelievable leads and, and, and heartfelt leads of Venla and Melchior. And they're both the leaders of these individual movements. And I'm sitting there bouncing my newborn baby on my lap. And like the whole thing was just like exploding from all sides of the world of kind of creation and joy and sorrow and 
strength and bravery and courage. And I was so proud of both of them for taking their own stance on what's important to them. And I got to sit there and just support them. You know, I didn't have to pick what side I was on or what bandwagon I wanted to fight for. I got to support these two kids who were just doing what meant something to them. And, and it was just, it was just so powerful and beautiful to be a part of watching from the very beginning stages all the way to what they're doing now, you know? You are listening to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and this month we are talking with Christine Barkley. Christine is the Artistic Director of Barkley Performing Arts in Boca Raton, Florida, and we are talking with her about what happened on February 14th, 2018, when her students were rehearsing the musical Spring Awakening at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. That uh, afternoon, a lone gunman walked into the school and began a shooting spree that left 17 dead. Let's let's go back to when you came back to rehearsal. You've got a newborn baby. Uh, and yeah. Y- yeah, you know, and uh, congratulations. Um, Thank you. But you've got all these students who are putting together, you know, Legally Blonde and um, Spring Awakening, which is where I right. first read about you. How did you... How did you manage the rehearsals Um, and how did you keep these kids focused? Well, for the two weeks that I was out, which is crazy to say, um, you know, it was it was an intense two weeks of maternity leave. My mother was it was like fast healing. um, But my mother was taking care of me around the clock, trying to make sure I could get back to work with everything going on. Um, I I. Was witnessing through the two weeks that I was out that, you know, my company directors and when Ed finally was able to, you know, get back and get all of his scores and get back in the room. And and I couldn't we had started the rehearsal process crazy fast. We had blocked about 45 pages of the script. We were creaming everything through music and everything, every every goal that we had set. We were just like creaming all of our goals. I mean, we had done everything that we had wanted to do. And then this happened. So we got all of a sudden it was like a horse at full run, just stopping, you know, and we were uh, trying to figure out what to do while I was out trying to just quickly recover myself. And the students were, you know, going to the vigils and having these interviews and getting the death threats and just everything was very emotional. And I had all of these other students that were trying to kind of stay normal while the MSD kids were really going through the, the real hard part of it. And my company managers were just saying, can we even do this? Like, we don't even know if they're going to be able to do the show without these movements are starting emotionally. Is it even too raw? Like, is this even something we can do? And I just said to them for the two weeks I'm out, let's just try to do as much as we can. Just get, get through the music rehearsals, be as patient as you can with the kids, whether they're there, whether they're not just keep being steady for them. Just show up, open the door, be there, run the music. Don't put pressure. You know, we'll make up the time. We'll make up the law, whatever it is. Let's just wait till I can get back in there. And then we'll take it from there. So finally, about, you know, two and a half weeks after the actual event and, you know, a week and a half, I guess, you know, I guess since I actually went into giving birth, I went ended up going in early and we all sat together as a cast. It was the first day that we had gotten everyone back in the room. The final funeral and vigil had happened and everything had kind of come to a little bit of a stop. And um, I sat there with them and we had about a, probably an hour and a half or two hour long, just conversation. It was a 10 to four Saturday rehearsal and we just sat there together and it was just a completely different group of kids in a way. Um, Obviously it was the same kids, but they'd been through 
irreparably changed. Well, definitely changed at this point. And I'm sitting there completely different. I have a baby. I'm bouncing on my hip. I'd now gone through like the rite of passage as a woman. So everyone was different, you know, in the room. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, we had a long conversation and it started with me kind of reiterating what I had written and posted earlier, which was an apology for, you know, being an adult that hadn't taken bigger action one way or the other. Um, it started with, you know, a conversation with them about if they were okay by obviously the answer was no, but okay. In the sense we're like, can you be here? You know, can we even, can we be in this space? Is this okay? Um, and then basically after we talked about everything that had kind of happened and they asked how giving birth was, and I felt, you know, how many things can, can, can take over the power of giving birth to a human, you know, but this almost did. It was like, guys, we'll talk about it later. You know, it was, it was crazy and a wild life-changing experience, but we'll talk about that later, you know? Um, yeah, usually it's we, the big topic in the room, but. Yeah, you know, and then I finally said, you know, can we do the show? Do you guys want to do the show? I mean, the show, we all know what Spring Awakening tackles. I mean, it deals with guns. It deals with adults and, and kids having dissonance. It deals with friends, you know, and coming back from the grave. It's with everything that we were dealing with. And I just didn't know if it was going to be too raw. And I just said, can, can you do it? And the creepy thing was that I had already cast the show the way I had cast it well before any of this happened. So we had Sawyer and Cameron already in these positions. And I just said, you know, do you want to? And they all wanted to. They they didn't want to give it up. They they wanted to. On one of the news clippings, you know, Sawyer said we had to finish what we started. You know, they wanted to use the art. They wanted to use the theater. They wanted to use it to heal, to use their voices, to talk about the issues. They wanted to do it. So at that point, I let them know what I had worked on on my end, that there would be alerted police chiefs and police cruisers guarding our rehearsals, that there would be metal detectors at the show, that there would be increased security for them physically um, just because of what was going on, which is insane that a high school musical rehearsal has to have, you know, metal detectors and police cruisers in our parking lot for rehearsals. Um, basically we decided regardless that we would, we would do it and, um, and, you know, raise money for Shine SD and use it for healing arts program, whatever we could for healing arts programs and help them, um, get that program launched. Cameron kind of agreed that it was a fair thing to not raise, use it to raise money for the Never Again movement, which is already gaining a lot of traction. And we didn't really want to do anything as political, so we went um, with the with Shine, and that was wonderful. Um, and then I just said to them, "So what do we do now? You know, how do we get back into the vibe? How do we just stand up and start like?" staging a show right now you know how do you even do that so i said to them what would be your what what songs can we do that would get you back up you know and feeling like yourselves a little bit and of course um they all said uh fucked <laughs> would be one and uh i believe and so we started with i believe and, and we had them all get on stage and they just wrapped their arms around each other and so we Cameron just sat on stage together and I think Cameron had like a bagel he was eating and the two of them just sat there and fed each other bagels while they cast around them just <laughs> like walking wounded soldiers just like hugged each other and sang I believe in whatever dissonant harmony they had remembered and um, and then as soon as we did that, we just turned the music on and we just jumped around and sang totally fucked at the top of our lungs. And we ran around the theater and we jumped up and down on the stage and they screamed and they yelled and they completely released and shook themselves up. And it was like a, a 
bear cry almost of this cast of kids just totally releasing and letting everything all hang out and then we came back together and and saying I believe again and and it had more power and more meaning we just chugged along and it was it was an it's a day I will forget yeah I'm sh- I'm absolutely positive of so. that it sounds like <laughs> you guys collectively managed to pull yourselves together and have a a giant sigh of relief I mean not just to see each other whole and unharmed but to be right part of this artistic effort i mean i fully believe that art can cure a lot of things and oh, yeah. yeah i mean yeah. especially in a situation like this where everybody must feel isolated and vulnerable um and unsure yeah. of what their world has turned into that you have this as you said a safe space to release oneself emotionally and to be with others and create to to make something yeah, beautiful out of a tragedy. We had a mission almost. It seemed like we were a little lost in the sauce for a couple of weeks there while I was out and, and everyone was, and Ed and everyone was trying to kind of get back together. And then I came back from giving, giving birth. They came all the funerals. I, and it was almost like, all right, here we go with this. Like, again, it felt like warriors kind of going to battle. We all, and this time we had a mission, you know, it wasn't just, here's a show that not many theater companies do because it's super edgy and controversial and I'm willing to do it. And all the kids are excited to do it. And all of a sudden now it's like, we have to do it. Like the world about it. We need to do it. And the most beautiful thing that started George's, you know, I feel so often there are commute artistic communities can end up being competitive, you know, especially other, other schools, other theater programs, other music programs can all be competitive. And what was the amount of support that started pouring out? We were getting emails from schools on other side of the country. We were getting emails and videos of other spring awakening performances of the other parts of the country and the world dedicated to us. We were getting reach, you know, people, Stephen, Stephen Sater and Duncan Sheik and, the Michael Mayer and Michael Moore and other art, you know, documentarians and artists, everyone was reaching out. And it was like the most beautiful sharing of, of love of the power of art and theater. And there, it, all of a sudden it was the artistic community that I wanted to build and wanted to be a part of an ensemble focused program and an ensemble focused experience. And the ensemble being everyone who helped to create it, who wrote the music, you know, everyone having heart and, and caring about what was going on and other communities and other artistic programs all pouring their love out and their heart out. You know, my brother is the music director at Shakespeare's Globe Theater in, and in the UK and, and he was messaging me. He had friends from, from the globe, you know, just saying, oh, what can we do to help your sister's company? What can we do to support these kids? And that's all the way over, you know, in London. It's 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 beautiful to see what was going on across the world when these kids just relentlessly stood up and said, We're not gonna let you knock us down. We're not gonna let this take away what A, what we love to do, take away our voice, make us scared we're going to stand up and we're going to do it and we're going to do something very relevant and very poignant and we're going to confront our demons and they did it and they did it so beautifully and the most beautiful thing to me about it was yes the Camerons and the Sawyers and the Alexes and the Alfonso's and you know while they were going on all of their different events and flying in on red eyes to make their rehearsal and flying back out or missing some rehearsals I heard that part of the uh, Broadway cast of Spring Awakening came down and uh met with your crew oh yeah 
It was remarkable. I mean, Leah Michelle had just been on American Idol the night before as the guest star, and she flies in the next day to come to this small theater and studio in West Boca, and they did. There was a huge number of the original Broadway cast, almost all of them, flew down together, John Groff and Skylar Astin and Leah Michelle, and, you know, it was, it was a huge Gideon Glick, and, and they came down, and they sat in on the rehearsal, and they just said, we're not here. They didn't, the, the coolest thing, George, is they didn't pull that as a publicity stunt. They didn't tell anybody. They didn't right. post it on their social media pages before they came down. They didn't announce it. They didn't make, and the only person who was kind of alerted to it was uh, the New York Times reporter, but only alerted to it because she, I, believe, I believe she and Gideon had just engaged in a Twitter conversation about what was going on. It wasn't any kind of a publicity stunt. And, and they came down solely out of their own love. And we had a closed rehearsal where we didn't invite anyone else in. And they just watched the kids run the show and they talked about some of the issues. And they, you know, Leah and John took Cameron and Sawyer into our studio all on their own and worked through some of the sex scene and talked through what that was like for them. And they talked to the kids and encouraged them and shared what they had gone through in their life at this age, going through the piece. And it was just, we all stood together. My favorite, by far two favorite parts of the night, of course, was having both cast get on stage together and sing totally fucked, which was of course exhilarating, but the, my my favorite part of the night was both casts stood together in a circle on the stage and we all held hands and sang Purple Summer together. And it was just, again, the coming together of artistic communities, the support, the beauty, the, the music, the emotion, the feeling, just standing there in a circle holding hands, singing through that gorgeous closing number was something that was emotionally and physically just so memorable and beautiful. And I gift you know everyone is saying oh well not everyone this is that's certainly not fair to say so many people are saying oh these kids are using their this fame they're just so happy to be famous and i know these kids they actually hate the fact that they're famous they actually really 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 miss being kids and they've really given up being kids to try to do something for our world and when people say they just love being famous it really kind of pisses me off because i know them you know i know how frustrated they are and yeah you know what if through all of this and what they're doing and really a loss of innocence here they're being gifted a very cool opportunity to meet some of broadway celebrities that they've been admiring for years since they you know started learning musical theater and if they've been gifted a, a trip to go do something or they've been gifted you know michael mayer coming down or calling to try to help us with our show or michael moore's documentary team taking an interest in them they've been gifted those experiences, then then good for them. Why don't they deserve a day to be excited and to laugh and to smile and to feel like they gained something through all this? Why should they have to fight this hard, go through what they went through and be angry and miserable the whole time? No, they're kids. Reward them for their good work. Reward them for their courage. Reward them for their bravery. Reward them for surviving a friggin' shooting in their school. And reward the other kids who are who weren't there who aren't getting all of these interviews and press time reward them for holding down the fort you know and it's exactly what it felt like it just felt like the broadway community came down and rewarded these kids which uh, with a really beautiful fun exciting emotional night that they'll never forget and i'm incredibly grateful and always will be for it wow i just wish that so many of these good things that happened afterwards would have happened without, happened without, a, without a trigger like that. Yeah. 
How are your kids now? They're good. I mean, they're so busy. It's hysterical. I mean, I'm texting Cameron, trying to put together the season next year, trying to figure out when those kids will be available between, you know, their book tours and their road to change tours and their single releases and getting back to school and their high school shows and what they're doing with Melody and um, they're busy. I mean, they're, they, they really are incredible. And the kids that aren't a part of those big movements, my, you know, other anchor Barclay kids, they're, they're flooding the studio with love and support and excitement for another wonderful year of theater. And they're just feeling empowered and they're feeling excited. Um, there's, there's obviously that can never be undone for, for, for um, but as you, you you know, it's unfortunate it took this to right. this event to have all of these things happen. But I think there is a a new appreciation for love and life and art and courage and camaraderie and family. And I think in our whole community and in our whole, definitely in my company, there's this new fire of how can we do better? How can we move forward? How can we continue to use our platform to bring up conversation, to bring joy, to bring, I mean, everyone said it was just so great to see Legally Blonde right after seeing Spring Awakening because it shows the other end of the spectrum. I mean, Legally Blonde is incredibly present too with everything we're dealing with with women in our country right now and embracing who you are and sexual harassment. And those kids marched right into that and handled that show beautifully. And so we had Spring Awakening countered by hot pink, Legally Blonde musical numbers. And it's this healing, you know, through art and through theater and through song, healing the community and having a, an opportunity to bring the community together, to celebrate each other, to celebrate our community, to celebrate the talents of students, to celebrate what kids can do, to celebrate these kids having a voice, to using their voices, and I think there's just always been a real sense of heart at the in the, um, the Barclay Sports community since we opened in 2016. And I just feel like there's a real fire and passion in our company now to use our powers for good. And I'm just I'm thrilled excited for that. And again, I, I will never, ever in a million years say that I'm glad that any of it happened because certainly none of us are. But how wonderful that something good and some positivity and some energy is coming out of it finally, you know, and I'm just incredibly yeah. grateful that my daughter and my child, when she grows up and I get, get to tell her about when she was born and what happened when she was born, that I have this story and I have these kids that will be her big sisters and big brothers and considered cousins that she'll be raised in a world with these kids as our leaders, because if these are going to be the kind of, passionate and convicted and big hearted and loving and talented leaders of our country, then I'm, I'm glad my baby was born under them, you know? Absolutely. And I do have hope for the country. If these are the kids that are going to be in charge of it later on, I hope they're in charge of it later on. Uh, yeah. Well, I, and, you know, I feel I hear both sides of, of people thinking, you know, they're, they're going too far or they're, you know, in my own family, there there are both sides of the coin, and but at the end of the day, they're doing something. You know, they're well, if making you're us talk the about. If you're going to change the world, you have to make a noise. You have to put yeah. people yep. 
out of their comfort zone. You don't change things within a comfort zone. You no. you make people no. nervous. You make people angry. But they're looking to keep their world safe and to change things. And they're bringing they're bringing adults from both sides of the fence to the table together. They're making us confront it. They're making people have, have to deal with the issue. We're not able to just throw temper tantrums and turn our backs on each other and say it's your fault. No, it's your fault anymore because right. these kids aren't standing for it. They're pissed. And because of what they're doing, whether we like the conversation or not, we're having to have it. And as a business owner and as someone who has grown up my entire life in a, in an, in a theater family, in a music family, where my parents sent myself and my brothers, all of us majored in theater and music in college. We were never expected to have a plan B. Um, all of us are working in the field for coming from a family like that with family members like that to see art and theater kids and music kids being the instigators of all of this is making me so happy because there have been so many kids for their life who wanted to major or go into arts and parents have said, that's not a real profession. That's not a real job. You know, you're in there. You have myself. To have a, you know, <laughs> and look at what these theater kids are doing. There is good just because there isn't a written, you know, career step of how right. you're going to make yeah. money does you not mean quantify. that it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't I mean know. it's not worth it. No, you're doing. it is worth and it. And I, yes. Cool. Yeah. hundred percent. It's giving a name yeah, it's giving a name to us and what we do, what you do, what I do. And, and I'm grateful to them for that, too. <laughs> Excellent. Christine Barkley, it has been an absolute honor to have you on the show and to hear you talk about these exceptional, exceptional students of yours and your efforts as well to bring together people after this horrific nightmare. Um it's inspiring. It's very inspiring. Thank you so much. You. Please tell us how we can find out more about uh, you and the kids and uh, your company. My name is Christine Barclay, which is the title name on my company for the, as I mentioned earlier, for the fact that my whole family has been in the arts. And so it's honoring all of them. So you can find information about us at Barclay. Uh, performingarts.com that's B as in boy A-R-C-L-A-Y performingarts.com and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the same thing Barclay Performing Arts and if you have any interest in what we're doing or reaching out directly Arts at gmail.com is the email and you can reach out to be a part of any of our either productions or to know what we're doing to help to support the movements of these kids where to find us or to come down as, as I mentioned to the Broadway community we are an open door for anyone who would like to come down and support our community. Please reach out through our website or email or, or social media and come join our theater family. We are here for everyone. So we'd be happy to hear from you. Fantastic. Thanks again, Christine. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much, George. Hey kids, thanks for listening to On Stage, Off Stage. On Stage, Off Stage is produced monthly and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on iTunes. If you enjoy what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OnOffStage. And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project of interest or work in a part of theater we haven't covered yet or know of someone in the theater world who'd make some great chat, please send us a note at info at onstageoffstage.org. Onstage Offstage believes in and advocates for a world where all people are free to live their lives as they wish in peace and without fear. We believe in universal respect, diversity, and equality in all areas of life for all people, 
no matter what their nationality, race, religion, age, sexual status, or gender. On Stage, Off Stage will never promote or endorse those who seek to diminish others because of who they are. I'm George Sapio. Thank you once again, and happy theatering to all of you. Yeah.